Hello and welcome to Paul Martin's Audiobooks and Ideas. And I'm talking today about the 2,000-year history of Bible-believing Christians. Throughout every century of church history, there have been Christians who have stood up to follow faith in Christ alone, based on Scripture alone. And they've rejected man-made traditions and doctrines that are wrong. Many Catholic and Orthodox apologists say to Protestants, where were the Christians before the 1500s that followed your theology and your beliefs? So I'll be addressing that today. I've met many Catholic apologists who say that Protestantism or getting back to the Bible and teaching faith alone in Christ alone on Scripture alone, what came out of nowhere in the 1500s. Well, we'll have a look at that. So, um, throughout all of church history, Bible-believing Christians have boldly opposed the traditions of fallible humans. They've been given different labels, Waldensians, Tondrakians, Baptists, Presbyterians, Lutherans, Montanists, Novationists, Iconoclasts. First we need to establish is what does the Bible teach? And I'm going to go from the first century to our current age. The first century church, the New Testament, tells us what the earliest Christians believed. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, they believed that justification is by grace through faith without works. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1, they taught that bishops and elders had to be married with children. This was to determine their competence to rule the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 1 to 5 says that the apostles were allowed to have a wife. And forbidding marriage was a doctrine of demons, 1 Timothy 4, 1-5. And marriage was encouraged over celibacy, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 2-5. They also taught that there was nothing special about Mary's body. Luke chapter 11, verses 27 and 28 says, it came to pass, as he said these things, a certain woman out of the multitude lifted up her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts which nursed you. But he said, that's Jesus, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So, Mary was not an exalted mediatrix of all graces in the first century church. The early church exalted Christ, not his mother. And even people like, holy people like John the Baptist, he said of Jesus, he must increase and I must decrease. John chapter 3 verse 30. The first century church held to traditions not written in scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 2 and 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 15. But we're not told what these traditions are and 
We have examples of them at the time, such as the Didache in 70 AD. But the Didache says nothing about transubstantiation, icons, Mary veneration, or other Catholic and Orthodox heresies that were invented centuries later. And around that time, we also have Clement, a Christian leader, in 70 AD roughly, in his letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 32, verse 4. This is Clement's letter to the Corinthians. He taught faith alone. He wrote, And we too, being called by his will in Christ Jesus, are not justified by ourselves, nor by our own wisdom or understanding or godliness or works which we have wrought in holiness of heart, but that by faith through which from the beginning Almighty God has justified all men to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then from about the 1st century up to the 9th century AD was a Christian movement that were labelled by their enemies the Montanists. They were a diverse Christian movement that traced its origins from Agabus in Luke chapter 10 and Philip, Acts chapter 8 and chapter 21. Most of them affirmed the Trinity doctrine they believed in the continuation of speaking in tongues and the gift of prophecy. All we know about them is written by their enemies. Tertullian, he was a late 2nd century, early 3rd century church father, joined them in 207 AD. And sometimes false prophecies were made by some of them in the 2nd century, but the movement persisted for centuries. So obviously they were not defined by a few false prophecies made in the second century. They were persecuted severely by the precursors to the Catholic and Orthodox churches in the 500s AD. In 600 AD, a group of them flourished in Galatia, and that's mentioned by Timothy of Constantinople. Emperor Leo III, he died in 741 AD, tried to force them to convert, but they locked themselves in their church and burned it down rather than convert. Theodore the Studite, who died in 826 AD, mentions a group of them. And their favourite books were John and Revelation, and they had women who served as bishops and elders. So that was a movement flourishing from the 1st century to the 9th century, or the 800s. Then we have Aristides, who lived in the 2nd century, and in his Apology introduction, he said, By faith alone do I glorify and adore him. Tertullian Around 207 AD, mentioned before, one of the most respected of the early church fathers joined the Montanists. He also affirmed that Mary was a sinner in his On the Flesh of Christ, chapter 7. And from the uh, second century AD, from Ignatius of Antioch, if his writings are authentic, some of them were 
fabricated by the Catholic Church. He's the first Christian we know of who mentions the Catholic Church. But all that means in that context is universal church. And he says, says nothing at all about uh, veneration of Mary. He also believed in the doctrine of annihilationism, that the people are not tormented in hell forever, but they're destroyed. Now, regardless of whether or not you agree with annihilationism, it's considered heresy by the Catholic Church. So the Catholics cannot claim Ignatius of Antioch, the first person to mention the Catholic Church, they can't claim him as one of their own. Anyway, I shall move on. The 3rd century AD, we come to a character called Novation, who died about 258 AD. And in his On Jewish Meats, chapter 5, he said, God rejoices in our faith alone. His movement, the Novationists, existed from the 3rd century to the 8th century. They had a harsh attitude to people that had renounced their faith in persecution, they, but they also opposed the Catholic Church hierarchy, Catholic creeds, and they adhered to salvation by faith alone, without the approval of the Church. They rejected the veneration of saints and they affirmed the Trinity doctrine. They rejected heresies like modalism, Martianism and Gnosticism. There was a fanatical, legalistic, breakaway sect from them called the Donatists, and I did not include them because they didn't have much grace in their movement. So, moving on, the Iconoclasts, they existed from about the 4th century onwards up to the 11th century. And why they didn't really get mentioned until the 4th century is very interesting, and that's because the early church did not venerate icons until the 4th century. So the early church, for the first uh, three centuries, was simply not into uh, veneration of icons and statues. But once it started to happen, around the time of Constantine, Christians rose up against it and they were labelled iconoclasts. So they rejected the idolatrous nature of statues and icons creeping into Christianity in the 4th century. The Council of Elvira, 305 to 306 AD, condemned icons in Canon 36, and I'll quote, pictures are not to be placed in churches so that they do not become objects of worship and adoration, end quote. Eusebius of Caesarea, who died in 340 AD, wrote to Constantia, to depict purely human form of Christ before its transformation, on the other hand, is to break the commandment of God and to fall into pagan error. And Epiphanius of Salamis, around 394 AD, in his letter 51 to John, described icons as, quote, 
opposed to our religion, end quote, and tore down images in churches. There was a huge increase in icons in churches during the reign of Byzantine Emperor Justinian. He ruled from 527 to 565 AD. But Leo III condemned icons in 726 to 730 AD. Icons were condemned by the poorer, non-Greek Christians who were battling Islam. The Eastern churches had two large periods where they condemned icons from 730 to 787 AD. That's 57 years. And 813 to 843 AD. That's 30 years. And in 843, Queen Regent Theodora the Iconodule restored icons to the churches. There was also one Bernard of Angers who travelled Auvergne, France from 1007 to 1020 AD and he condemned crosses and statues as idolatrous, although he eventually repented and came to accept them. In the 5th century, Vincent of Lerins who died in 445 AD, wrote profound novelties must be rejected and that faith alone adhered to, which is the universal or Catholic Church, has held consistently from the earliest times. So in the 400s AD, a Christian was saying how the universal church or the Catholic Church rejected novelties and believe in faith alone. In the 8th century, Albert of Gaul in 750 AD, roughly, rejected relic and saint veneration, the enforced celibacy of priests. He rejected infant baptism, papal authority, and making the sign of the cross. And his companion, Clement of Scotland, was burned at the stake for agreeing with him in 756 AD. And that's found in von Bruck's book, Martyr's Mirror, pages 426 to 427. The next we get to a, a Christian movement in Armenia from the early 9th century, early 800s, to the mid-11th century, or mid-10-hundreds, so roughly a 250-year period. They were an Armenian Christian peasant movement that rejected the unbiblical teachings of the Orthodox Church. They spread widely throughout Armenia. They were persecuted and wiped out by Armenian authorities, Orthodox Byzantines and Arab Muslims. And Gregory of Narek, who died in 1008, in his letter to the abbot of Kachar concerning the refutation of the accused Tondrakians, he says they denied the authority of the Orthodox Church and that communion was the body and blood of Christ. He says they saw baptism as a symbol and said it doesn't save you. 
They refused genuflecting or venerating crosses. They saw Sunday as no more important than any other day of the week. They ordained each other rather than being ordained by a bishop. And he claims they were sexually immoral and didn't accept marriage as a sacrament. If the last accusation is true, we have to bear in mind that the only information we have comes from their persecutors or detractors who also exterminated them. What we see looks more like an independent Christian grassroots movement of simple lay people who followed the scripture overwrote tradition and the accusation of sexual immorality could have been that they were not getting married in the Orthodox Church in the early 800s from about 810 to 827 there was Claudius of Turin he was a Catholic bishop in Turin, northern Italy he was an iconoclast who preached against the use of crosses, statues and icons. He said that pilgrimages to get forgiveness of sins were unnecessary. He rejected the Pope's authority and said bishops were equal and he was protected by the Holy Roman Emperor Louis the Pious who died in 840 AD. Next, we get to Gottschalk of Orbaeus, who lived from 808 to 868 AD. He was a Saxon preacher and monk who said people are saved by faith in Christ alone and by being predestined for salvation. He was persecuted and restricted by Catholic Church authorities, but he refused to submit to them. Some of his writings were burned and on one occasion he was almost beaten to death at a church council. His writings influenced Ratramnus. Ratramnus, who died in 868 AD, was a Frankish monk who was friends with Charles the Bald, a king and future Holy Roman Emperor. He debunked transubstantiation and said the bread and wine was a spiritual symbol of the body and blood of Christ. He taught double predestination but rejected the notion of God predestining people to sin. He defended the Filioque doctrine against the Eastern Church. He condemned monastic tonsure, that's their distinct haircut, and condemned priestly celibacy. His writings influenced future Protestant reformers Berenger of Tours, who died in 1088 AD, and Thomas Cranmer, who died in 1556. Berenger of Tours, who lived from 999 to 1088 AD. He was a theologian and archdeacon in France. He opposed transubstantiation. He had the reputation of being a humble, holy man. He eventually recanted his views, but his followers didn't. The Berengarians at one stage in 1160 AD numbered 800,000. And they existed from 1047 AD onwards. 
Next we come to the Bosnian church. From the 10 hundreds to the late 14 hundreds. They were an independent Christian church that rejected the authority of the Catholic and Orthodox churches. They were sometimes accused of being Bokomals, a Gnostic sect, but they had many practices that the Bokomals rejected, such as making the sign of the cross, meeting in churches, belief in the Old Testament, and they drank wine in communion. And so while the Great Schism was occurring between the Catholics and Orthodox, there was a protesting Protestant group, the Bosnian Church, that rejected the authority of both of them. <clears throat> now we have Tan Chelm, who died in 1115 AD. He was an itinerant preacher who was active in Flanders and Belgium. He preached against transubstantiation, against tithing to the Catholic Church, and against priests cohabiting with women they weren't married to. He was murdered by a Catholic priest. His followers were still around in 1124 AD, when Saint Norbert of Exanton preached against Tan Chelm. Next we have the Arnoldists. They were followers of Arnold of Brescia. He lived from 1090 to 1155 AD and he condemned the Catholic Church hierarchy, infant baptism and transubstantiation and they were condemned by the Pope in 1184 AD. Now we come to Peter of Bruce. He was a preacher who was active from 1117 to 1131 AD. And he was a French preacher who condemned infant baptism, transubstantiation, cross veneration, and prayers for the dead. He was killed by an angry Catholic mob in 1131. Henry of Lausanne, a former Cluniac monk, spread his teachings from 1134 till 1148 until he was persecuted and killed at the instigation of Saint Bernard of Clairvaux. The last known followers, the Petrobrusians, were known of in 1151 AD. The Waldensians, who started in the 1170s and persevered to the present time in history. They were started by Peter Waldo, or Pierre Valdez, who preached in the 1170s calling on people to reform the Catholic Church and return to the simplicity taught by Christ. The Pope rejected his request for approval by the Church and he was soon renounced as a heretic and his followers were condemned by Pope Lucius III in 1184 AD. They rejected transubstantiation, infant baptism, the need for priests, purgatory or indulgences, and rejected prayers for the dead. They endured centuries of persecution and they eventually joined the Calvinists during the 1500s. And then there was the Apostolic Brethren who existed from about 1260 to the 1350s. 
They were a group of Christians in Italy started by Gerard Segarelli, who died in 1300 AD. They also spread to France and Spain. They preached on returning to the simplicity of what Christ taught. They preached in many towns and gave to the poor. They attacked the teachings of Catholicism and were declared heretics, and many were burned at the stake, including Segarelli. They were condemned as heretics by Pope Honorius IV in 1286 AD, and Nicholas IV in 1290 AD. In 1307, 150 of them chose to be burned at the stake rather than recant their beliefs. And then there was the Brethren of the Free Spirit who existed from about the 1270s to the 1400s. They are an independent Christian movement that spread throughout Central Western Europe and were condemned as heretics by the Catholic Church at the Council of Vienne, 1311 to 1312 AD. Their beliefs are recorded in the papal bull Ad Nostrum and from Albert the Great, who died in 1280, in his Compilatio di Novo Spiritu. They believed in a close, loving union with God, a personal relationship, that they did not need the Catholic Church for salvation, but simply by talking directly to God and being guided by the Holy Spirit. A surviving book of theirs is The Mirror of Simple Souls, written about 1300 AD, by Marguerite Perrette. She died in 1310. Uh, where she was burned at the stake. Another movement was the Fraticelli, or Little Brethren, from 1293 to the 1460s. They were monks inspired by the poverty and simplicity as taught by Christ and then St Francis of Assisi. Upon considering the wealth and corruption of the Catholic Church, they denounced it as evil and heretical. And needless to say, they were persecuted and condemned as heretics by the Catholic Church. And then there was Gregory of Rimini, who lived from about 1300 to 1358. He was an Italian monk who taught double predestination and limited atonement. Then there was the Friends of God. From 1339 to 1395, they began as a Catholic devotional group. They were later condemned as heretics after criticising the corruption of the Catholic Church and their belief that it was under judgment. They became a democratic lay movement that emphasised personal holiness, the need to save souls, and to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Several of them were burned at the stake. Now we go over to Russia, North West Russia, near where Finland and the Baltic states are. The Strigolniki, they existed from about the mid-1300s to the mid-1400s. And they were an independent Christian movement started in northwest Russia. 
They were made up of low-ranking clergy and labourers who were sick of corruption in the orthodox hierarchy and extortionist fees, and they left orthodoxy and started their own church where laymen could preach sermons, and they based their faith on the teachings of the New Testament instead of traditions, and they rejected the rituals of Eastern Orthodoxy. They simply got back to the New Testament and made that their guidance. Now we come to John Wycliffe, who was born in the 1320s. He died in 1384 AD. He was an English Catholic priest who instigated the translation of the Bible into the common vernacular. The more he studied scripture, the more he departed from Catholicism, and eventually he came to reject transubstantiation, veneration of saints, and other teachings insisting that scripture should be the standard for our beliefs. Salvation, he said, was through faith in Christ, not the Catholic hierarchy. His followers, the Lollards, or Wycliffeites, endured until and welcomed the Protestant Reformation in England in the 1500s. And Wycliffe's writings influenced Jan Hus, Martin Luther, Henry VIII, John Calvin and Ulrich Swingley. So we go to Central Europe now, to Bohemia, or now known as the Czech Republic or Czechia. Jan Hus, who lived from about 1372 to 1415. In the 1370s onwards, many Czechs or Bohemians turned away from Catholicism and its unbiblical teachings. <clears throat> and one prominent reformer was Hus, who renounced transubstantiation, simony, corruption in the church hierarchy and the sale of indulgences. He was excommunicated by the Catholic Church at the Council of Constance and he was burned at the stake in 1415. While dying, he sang psalms and predicted that other reformers would rise after him. His followers, the Hussites, overthrew the Catholic authority in Bohemia. They then triumphed over five Catholic crusades that were waged against them from 1420 to 1431, and they were known as the Hussite Wars. A century before Martin Luther, there was Joan of Arc, she lived from 1412 to 1431. She was a Christian French girl who inspired her people to rebel against English rule after almost a century of war. She claimed to have a personal relationship with Jesus and to get revelations from him. She was put on trial by the Catholic Church, declared a heretic and burned at the stake. Her last words were crying out to Jesus. Centuries later, in 1920, the same Catholic Church that condemned her to death and declared her a heretic, canonised her as a Catholic saint and claimed her as one of theirs.
Now we get to Johannes von Gock, who lived from 1400 to 1475. He was a German Augustinian monk who taught that salvation was through faith in Christ alone and that scripture is the only source of authority for Christians. He said the writings of the church fathers only had value as far as they agreed with scripture. And he emphasised the importance of unity with God through love. Then there was Johann Ruckrat von Wessel, who died in 1481. And he was a German scholastic theologian. He taught that scriptures should be the sole rule of faith. He condemned indulgences. He rejected the infallibility of the church and said the Pope's authority could only be upheld as far as it agreed with the gospel. He taught the invisible church doctrine and that God chooses some people for salvation. He died in prison while on trial for heresy. So, Johann Ruckrat von Wessel. Now we get to Wessel Gansfort from 1419 to 1489. He was a Dutch theologian who rejected transubstantiation, indulgences and papal authority. He believed that salvation was a work of God in the individual rather than human abilities. He rejected purgatory, but he did believe God cleansed a person's soul before entering heaven. Now we come to Italy, Girolamo. Savonarola. He lived from 1452 to 1498. He was an Italian Dominican friar in the city of Florence. He ruled the city with Christian values. He refused to join the Holy League in a war against the King of France. As a result, he was excommunicated by Pope Alexander IV. Towards the end of his life, he said the church needed to return to the simplicity of the faith in the New Testament and that the Pope was the Antichrist and he prophesied God's judgment on the Pope and the Catholic Church, which was a whore. He was condemned with two other monks and killed by hanging, followed by burning their bodies. And then Martin Luther from 1483 to 1546. He was a German Catholic monk who studied the Bible and published his 95 Thesis in 1517. He called for an end to the sale of indulgences and that salvation was through faith in Christ alone, not the Catholic Church. He inspired a revolution of Christians to return to the Bible and salvation by faith alone in Christ. And Protestants then spread to Britain, France, Hungary and Scandinavia. And in the generations ahead, it spread throughout the world. In conclusion, my friends, Catholic apologists often claim there was no church but Catholicism until Protestants came out of nowhere in the 1500s. But in reality, God's people who believe that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ, and whose authority is scripture above all, 
<coughs> these people have flourished in every century. They have been given diverse labels, but their essential teachings are in line with what Bible-believing Christians hold to. And the gates of hell did not prevail against them.